Hey, Winnie T, good afternoon, good afternoon. I hope y'all didn't think your girl wasn't coming because I'm going to come on here. I'm going to come on here. So, I, I want to encourage y'all. I hope y'all having a good day. My name is Tina Smoot. For those who don't know me, I am a life coach, a mentor, and a motivational speaker. Um, If you want to be whatever you want to be in life, hit y'all with some nuggets. Whatever you want to be in life, or whatever you want to do in life, you have to claim it and act like you already got it before you get it. You got to um, call those things that are not as though they were. And eventually, when you look around, it's going to be in your hand. But first, you have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Repetition is key. That's first thing. You can get this stuff. You can get your stuff because God laws and principles works for everybody. He's not a man that he should lie. You can get your stuff without seeking him. But you're going to be miserable with it and you ain't going to keep it. So I want to encourage y'all to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all things will be added unto you. Um, we on chapter 6 today. So we're going to get right into it. This is Dr. Miles Monroe book on kingdom principles. One second, y'all. I'm about to turn it on right now. Chapter 6. Kingdom Concept Number 3. Understanding the Kingdom Concept of Territory. The essence of a kingdom is property. Land or property is the validation of a king. Land or property defines a king or queen and gives him or her right to claim kingship. Remember that the first thing God created in the creation narrative was property, the earth. Earth was created before mankind was formed, because it was necessary in order for man to be a legitimate ruler. Man was created to dominate, and it is impossible to dominate nothing. Thus the mandate of God to Adam was to be king over a property. Every kingdom must have territory. The word kingdom derives from the phrase king domain. Domain refers to the property, the territory, over which a king exercises his dominion. A kingdom, then, is a king's territory. Without territory, a king is not a king, because he has nothing to rule over. You cannot be king over nothing. Let me give you an example from history. The discovery of the New World by Christopher Columbus in 1492 set off a wave of westward expansion over the next several centuries. The great maritime empires of Europe, such as England, France, Holland, Spain, and Portugal, all competed for new territory in the Western Hemisphere. It was, in fact, the Portuguese monarchs Ferdinand and Isabella who sponsored and financed Columbus's epic voyage. Portugal focused most of its attention on South America and eventually claimed the area that now comprises the nation of Brazil. For many years, Brazil was a colony and a possession of Portugal. That is why, to this day, Brazilians speak Portuguese. It is a legacy of their years under Portuguese influence and control. The story goes that the son of the king of Portugal said to his father, I want to be king. Well, the king replied, you can't be. Why not? I am the king of Portugal, and we are in Portugal. You can't be king, because I am still alive. When I am dead, then you will be king. But I want to be king now, the prince said. I don't want to wait that long. 
So the king of Portugal shipped his son off to South America and made him king over the territory of Brazil. The son was sovereign in Brazil, but ruled as a regent under his father, the king of the Portuguese empire, which included Brazil. Whenever the father visited his son in Brazil, the son became the prince again until his father left. Then the prince was again king. Whenever the son visited his father in Portugal, he again became the prince until he returned to his own domain. If the son wanted to rule as king, it was better for him to stay away from his father. That's how kingdoms work. All kingdoms have territory, but there can be only one sovereign to rule over it. More than one does not mean divided rule. It means revolt. This picture also illustrates the relationship between God, the king of heaven, and man, his regent on earth. Because God is a king, and because a kingdom is a country ruled by a king, and must therefore have territory, we can draw the conclusion that heaven is a place. It is not some nebulous, mystical idea from the mind of man. Heaven is a real kingdom with a real government. The fact that its primary realm encompasses the spiritual dimension of creation does not make it any less real. But the realm of the kingdom of heaven also takes in the natural world. God designed it this way when he created the earth and then fashioned man in his own image to rule it for him. The sequence of events here is very important. God envisioned man to be a king in his own right, but a king is not a king unless he has territory over which to rule. So God prepared the territory first, the earth, and then brought forth man. God placed man on the earth and told him, I'm giving you dominion over this physical domain. You have authority over every acre of land and sea and over every creature that inhabits the earth. Rule it freely as my legal representative. God does not want to come here where we are personally so that we can retain our authority as earthly kings. This is also why Jesus is not anxious for us to go to the invisible country of heaven, because when we do, we are reduced to princes and princesses. He prayed that we would not be taken out of the world, but be kept in it, but away from evil. The earth is man's key to dominion power and his only legal territory for rulership. A careful review of the model prayer of our Lord Jesus reveals that it specifically identifies the location of the Father and King of Heaven, our Father who is in Heaven. His location is the key to our power and authority on earth. If He comes to earth, we lose our privileged position. Mankind was designed to serve as a corporate rulership of kings, representing their Father, the King of Heaven, in the colony called Earth. Like the Portuguese prince in the story above, Man was sovereign within the sphere of his own domain, but he acknowledged God's ultimate sovereignty over all by right of creation and ownership. That ideal arrangement was shattered, however, when man rebelled against God, abdicated his regency, and passed control of his realm to a demonic usurper, a fallen angel who had no right or authority to take it. God's purpose is unchanging. He created man for rulership, and so immediately set into motion his plan to restore to man the kingdom he had lost. The Bible lays out a detailed record of the historical outworking of God's plan. In the fullness of time, when everything was in place, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born into human flesh and appeared to men, saying, Repent, change your mind, for the kingdom of heaven is near, or has arrived. Matthew 4, 17b. The Son of God came to get the kingdom back for man. He came as a human because earth is man's God-given domain, and only a human has the legal authority to rule it directly. Seven Kingdom Principles of Territory Territory is vital to a kingdom because without territory, no kingdom can exist. 
This is why a king is always interested in expanding his territory. Why is territory so important? Why can there not be a kingdom without it? Here are seven reasons. 1. No king can rule nothing. A king is a ruler, which by definition requires a domain to rule over. No domain, no ruler, no ruler, no king. That is why God made the earth before he made man. Man could not be a king until he had a domain. When God set out to establish his kingdom, he began by creating territory. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1 First he created heaven, his territory. And then he created earth, man's territory. That way man could be a king like his creator. 2. There is no kingdom without a domain. Why is the territory of a king called his domain? Because he dominates it. A territory dominated by a king is called his king dominion, which is where we get the word kingdom. 3. The essence of a kingdom is the right, the power, and the authority of the king to exercise complete sovereignty over a domain. In other words, a true kingdom is one where the king has the right to rule. Rights are very important because they are the basis for authority. God has the right to rule the universe. Why? Because he created it. Within his kingdom, God can do whatever he wants because his rights as king give him absolute power and authority, infinite power and authority, because his kingdom is infinite. 4. The heart of the kingdom concept is king domain. The domain of the king is the key to his kingdom because, to be a king, he has to have some domain to rule. 5. A king is not a king without a domain. I've already said this, but it bears repeating because many people who have no kingdom concept have trouble understanding the connection between a king and his domain. When the Shah of Iran was ousted by Islamic fundamentalist revolutionaries in 1979, he fled to another country. Although he was still called the Shah, the Iranian word for king, it was mainly a courtesy. In reality, he was no longer a king because he no longer had a domain. He was a king in exile. You cannot be a king without territory. This is why Christ had to come to earth to get our earthly kingdom back. We are supposed to be rulers, but without our territory, we cannot fulfill our destiny. 6. The wealth of a king's domain defines his value. We touched on this in the last chapter. Territory is important to a king, because the more territory he has, the richer he is. A king is only as wealthy as his domain. And as we will see later, territory, real estate, is important because it is the only form of earthly wealth that never loses its value. 7. The loss of a domain is the loss of a kingdom. Again, the Shah of Iran is a good example. As soon as he lost his domain, he was no longer a king except in name. Another prime example is Adam. When Adam, the king of the earth, rebelled against God, the high king of heaven, he lost his kingdom and with it, his place as king. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the second Adam who came to restore what the first Adam lost. Because Jesus restored the kingdom, all who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven can now be kings and queens of the earthly realm again. What does this mean in practical terms? It means we can control our circumstances in our domain rather than they controlling us. The good news of the kingdom that Jesus preached is not just that we can have our sins forgiven and become aligned rightly with God, although these are absolutely essential. The good news is also the fact that we can have our kingdom back. Five Principles of Man's Earthly Authority Our destiny as human beings is wrapped up in land. 
God created us to be kings over the earthly realm, and he will not rest until we are fully restored to our rightful place. I want to share with you five principles that help explain the basis of our authority on earth as God intended it to be. 1. The first thing God gave man was territory. He did not give man a religion or rules to follow. He gave him land. Before man could be the king God created him to be, he had to have a king domain to rule over. 2. The earth was created to give man kingship legitimacy. God gave us the earth so that our kingship would be legal. He made Adam a king, and he made Eve a queen equal to Adam in every way. The rulership of the earth belongs to both men and women. My wife is my partner in rulership. She does not serve me. We dominate the earth together on behalf of our government of heaven. 3. The domain of earth is mankind's legal right, power, and authority of rulership. When God said, let them have dominion, he transferred the legal rights to the earth to us. He did not say, let us have dominion, including himself, because he already had his dominion in heaven. He said, let them have dominion over that territory called earth. I'm going to rule heaven. My kids are going to rule earth. I'm going to be king of heaven. They're going to be king of the earth. I'm going to be sovereign of heaven. They're going to be sovereign of earth. The dominion of earth is our legal right. We have a right to be here, and God gave us that right. So many believers look forward to going to heaven, but I look forward to coming back to rule the new earth that God will fashion when this earth passes away. See Revelation 21.1. Heaven is fine, and it will be a glorious place, but ultimately it is not where we belong. In heaven we have no legal authority to rule. It is God's domain. We were made for the earth, and that is where our place of dominion will be in the life to come. 4. Let them are the key words in the transfer of authority from God to man. God delegated authority to us because he wants us to experience rulership. He wants us to know what it is like to be in charge. 5. Man's kingship is by privilege, not by creative right. God controls the domain because he created it. He rules it by creative rights. We rule it because of privilege. We are kings by delegation, not by creation. God gave us rulership, but not ownership. But our rulership charter includes a sense of ownership because he gave us sovereignty within our earthly dominion. Binding and Loosing This transfer of ruling authority over the earth from God to man has major implications for all of us regarding our daily circumstances and our relationship to our society and culture. Therefore, it is important that we understand it. God has given us authority over the earth. That means we are in charge. Whatever we say goes. This gives us a lot of freedom to do what we please within our domain. But it also means that we can't blame God for everything that goes wrong. Yet that is exactly what we do. Why does God allow so much suffering in the world? Why doesn't God do away with evil? Why does he allow sickness to continue? Doesn't he care? Why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't God intervene? Because this is not his domain. He will not intervene in the affairs of this earthly domain without the permission of those who hold dominion authority here. And who holds dominion authority? Every human being on earth who is a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. God is not to blame for human evil and suffering. We brought these things on ourselves by our own selfishness and rebellious spirit. God wants to help but won't intervene unless invited to do so by kingdom citizens who know their dominion authority. Through prayer, we invite God to act in our domain. 
This is what Jesus meant when he said, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Matthew 18, 18. Many believers have been taught that this verse deals with binding and loosing demonic spirits. It has nothing to do with demons. Jesus is using kingdom language. To bind means to lock up or prohibit. To loose means to unlock or permit. On earth we have dominion authority. Jesus is saying that what we prohibit on earth, heaven will prohibit. And what we permit on earth, heaven will permit. Consider the implications of this. Whatever we allow in society, heaven will not stop. And whatever we disallow in society, heaven will make sure it does not happen. Do you understand how serious this is? The management of the earth is totally up to us. We are responsible for the evil, ills, and suffering in our world. These things are reflections of the nature and quality of our management. This is why God needs us to pray. He cannot interfere on earth unless we release him to do so, because he has given us sovereignty here. When we do, heaven invades our territory on our behalf. The King of Heaven has given us dominion authority here on earth, and he will not violate it without our permission. This truth holds a critical key to how we should live as kingdom citizens on earth. Having been raised in one or another of the various human systems of government, we have all been programmed to think of life and society in terms of the haves and the have-nots of periodic economic upheavals and downturns, chronic shortages of commodities, corruption, despotism, and the strong preying on the weak. We look at these things, sigh, and then say, Oh well, that's life. Not in the kingdom of heaven. As I said before, in the kingdom of heaven, there is no economic crisis, and there are no shortages, because heaven's resources are infinite, and because all kingdom citizens are equal. There are no haves and have-nots. Everyone is a have. There is no corruption or despotism, because our king is a righteous and benevolent ruler. The strong do not prey on the weak, because there are no weak. Everyone is strong in the strength and presence and influence of the king, and in the secure knowledge of their place and privilege as equal citizens of the kingdom. Seeing life from this perspective will require a major change of mindset for most people. We have to learn. We have to train. We have to be taught to think this way. A change of mind is what the Bible calls repentance. So now the words of Jesus become much clearer when he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew 4.17 He is saying, Change your mind. Stop thinking like the world with its inadequacies and inequities, and start thinking like a kingdom citizen. Stop operating from a worldly mindset of never enough, and start operating from a kingdom mindset of more than enough. The kingdom of heaven is here, and everything has changed. Ten Principles of the Power of Land I hope that by now it is becoming clear how important territory is to the kingdom concept. With this in mind, I want to conclude this chapter with a brief discussion of ten principles of the power of land. In this context, land, territory, and domain mean the same thing. 1. The first thing God gave man was land. We have already discussed this. God created the earth, and then created man to rule it. Specifically, God placed Adam in a lush, beautiful garden, and gave him the responsibility of caring for it and all its inhabitants. The king of heaven gave the king of earth a physical domain, land, over which to exercise dominion. 2. The first thing man lost was land. When Adam and Eve rebelled against the king, he drove them out of the garden. They lost the property God had given them. 
Having lost their dominion, they discovered that the earthly environment was now hostile to them. 3. The first thing God promised Abraham was land, not heaven. The first thing God promised Moses was land, not heaven. Our big dream is to go to heaven, while God's big dream is for us to possess land because he created us to be kings and all kings own property. 4. Real wealth is in the land. That's why it's called real estate. All other estates aren't real. So many people expand all their resources acquiring wealth that never lasts, commodities that dissipate through consumption or are wiped out by economic depression or natural disaster. Land never loses its value regardless of what the economy does. In fact, land almost always grows in value, even during difficult times. If you want to help ensure prosperity for yourself as well as future generations, focus on acquiring real estate. There is power in land, which leads us to the next principle. 5. He who owns the land controls the wealth. Once, I was in Omaha, Nebraska, riding in from the airport, and remarked to my driver about the beauty and impressiveness of a particular skyscraper that dominated the skyline. What is that? I asked. He chuckled and said, That's the disgrace of the city. Why? I asked, surprised. He replied, That's the tallest building in the city and it is owned by the Japanese. Smart people, kingdom-minded people, go after land. Why? 6. True wealth is in the land. It never loses its value, and in fact, almost always increases in value the longer you own it. I once acquired a small piece of land for $35,000. Several people made offers to buy the land, but I held on to it. A few years later, a wealthy businessman built a $3 million estate on an adjacent piece of property. What do you think that did to the value of my land? True wealth lies in real estate. 7. The meek will inherit the earth. And Jesus said that is a blessing. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 5. Meek means gentle, but it also means disciplined. The Greek word refers to the demeanor of a horse that has been broken for riding. A horse is a very strong animal. After it is broken, it is still strong, but that strength is now under control. It is under discipline. These kind of people, the meek, Jesus says, are the ones who will inherit the earth, not heaven. 8. Land is the only estate that is real. Real estate is the only property of truly lasting value that we can pass on to our children. Everything else fades away too easily. The Bible says... A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Proverbs 13:22a. 9. God considers the land God considers the loss of land a curse. This is very important in the Bible. Every time God cursed the Israelites for their rebellion and disobedience, he took land from them. When they repented, he blessed them by restoring their land. God uses land to measure blessing or cursing. Therefore, 10. The restoration of land is a blessing. Land is important. Land has power because without land, there is no domain. And without domain, there is no king. Kings of a New Earth Many kingdom citizens have been taught so thoroughly to anticipate and look forward to heaven as the ultimate reward for the life to come that talk of an earthly inheritance makes them uncomfortable. But this is what the Bible says. Isaiah, an ancient and early spokesman for the kingdom of heaven, recorded... For this is what the Lord says, He who created the heavens, He is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, He founded it. 
He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Isaiah 45, 18. God created the earth for people to live on it. He is so committed to this planet that even when it passes away, he will recreate it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Revelation 21, 1, 3, 4b through 5a. God's program never changes. He is committed to his plan for earth and for earth dwellers, which is why we can't stay in heaven. The Bible promises a full resurrection in which all kingdom citizens will have a new body, a physical body of some sort, and will reign in the earth forever, just as God intended from the beginning. In the meantime, he wants us to practice, to learn how to take up rulership and exercise wise dominion over this territory called earth that he has given us. The kingdom of heaven is here now. We are its citizens, representatives of its colonial government, and we possess the authority right now to act in the name of our king and bring the influence of his will and desires over this earthly domain. Principles 1. Every kingdom has territory. 2. Heaven is a real kingdom with a real government. 3. A king is not a king unless he has territory over which to rule. 4. The Son of God came to get the kingdom back for man. 5. Without territory, no kingdom can exist. 6. A king is only as wealthy as his domain. 7. Our destiny as human beings is wrapped up in land. 8. We were made for the earth, and that is where our place of dominion will be in the life to come. 9. We are kings by delegation, not by creation. 10. God will not intervene in the affairs of this earthly domain without the permission of those who hold dominion authority here. 11. Through prayer, we invite God to act in our domain. 12. In the kingdom of heaven there are no haves and have-nots. Everyone is a have. 13. The meek will inherit the earth, not heaven. All right, y'all. I don't know about y'all, but that was awesome. I listened to it. I was working on something else, but I listened to a little nuggets. Listen to a little nuggets, especially about how God is not going to intervene. God is not going to interrupt what you're doing unless you ask him. That's why the Bible says seek him. Because if you don't seek him, you don't ask him to intervene, he's not going to intervene, baby. He's going to let his laws and his principles work through whatever situation we choose to put ourselves in. Because we have a choice. So if you choose to put yourself in bad situation, God ain't got to intervene. His laws and principles are written. They are set. They, are, they will never change. So he don't have to intervene because whatever you're doing, be it good or bad, be it for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of um, Satan, you will get your portion for that. And he don't have to do nothing. He already did it. He done wrote it down. It's in his laws. It's in his principles. And they don't change. They tell us what happened when we go left. And they tell us what happened when we go right. But or if you are tired of going left. And you want to know the beginning of entering the kingdom of God. The beginning steps. 
First, you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. No man comes to the Father except through the Son. No man comes to the Father except through the Son. Second, you have to believe that he died on the cross for your sins, which he did. He died for you. He died for me. He died for the world. Third, you have to ask him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and to save you, and you will be saved. That's the first step of entering the kingdom of God. After that, you got to seek him and his righteousness. Go get these books. Get you a mentor. Let God lead you to who you need to listen to. It ain't got to be me and maybe somebody else. But allow God to lead you. I love you guys. You guys have a great Thursday.